0: Praise the Lord. Uh, we're here on July 3rd. We're already halfway through the year, so uh we're gonna get right into our uh lesson today. Um, and I would like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter six. Ephesians, chapter six in <clears throat> Ephesians uh chapter six. Um, we've talked a little bit about the sword of the spirit and we've talked a little bit about, uh, this idea of, uh, the morale of a, a soldier of Christ. And, and again, that is, um, uh, the prayer, the attitude, the behavior, uh, some of the failure that is there and uh, some of the things, uh, uh, regarding we can see some hindrances that occur in our life. Um, obviously, lack of mercy and things of that nature, uh, sin uh, that is there can hinder us, uh, can hinder our prayers. Uh, you know, husbands, there's specific things warned about prayer uh, for us, about making sure that we hold no bitterness towards our wives uh, because uh, that will hinder our prayer life. So again, we have to have the right mentality in that regards. But I want to talk a bit about uh, the shield of faith, and if we get some t- uh, time, uh, talk about uh, also this uh, um, fighting together mentality. But uh, when we talk about uh, this shield of faith that we find in verse 16, he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you be, shall be able to uh, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, you know, again, we, we see there that there's an above all. In here, and um, and and that gives us kind of, if you will, some sort of indication that this part is extremely important. Now, uh, I've I, I've talked about the importance of uh, uh, of faith before, and what faith is really uh, essential towards the definition of faith we find in uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. Verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Meaning that faith is not some sort of, if you will, ethereal thing that you can't get a hold of, but is something that is evidential and, if you will, substantial in its nature. It is evidential, and it's the way it works, because it is a demonstrated action. It is not just some sort of, if you will, uh, thought or hope or something of that nature. Uh, it, it goes beyond just simple what we would call belief, and it moves into a category of um, believing, uh, trusting, and obeying, uh, which are, are very important elements of the Christian life. And here Paul relates faith to that of a shield, and again, what Paul's looking at and what Paul's taking uh, into consideration is the Roman soldier. Roman soldier had a very large shield as compared to others. Um, and when the Romans would march, they would go into combat with a very specific uh, way that they would go. And they would use those shields as part of the marching. They would use it as part of uh, uh, moving into position. They would use it to defend position. They would use it to advance. They would use it in such a way that they could actually use it as almost a mobile tank uh, of, of um, the, the, the armed forces moving through to penetrate into an area as they use these giant shields to cover themselves as well as their other uh, soldiers that were with him, And we see Paul relating the Christian battle to the to, to using uh the shield and using faith. And and we see that faith is an important principle. Because if you go over to the book of Hebrews in Hebrews uh chapter eleven, <coughs> where it does talk about faith. <coughs> Hebrews chapter eleven and in verse six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he that is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And what we see is, if we as a Christian are going to go through this life in a way that pleases him, as we have this verse over here, that he may please him, who hath chosen him to be a soldier, there's a certain way he wants us to engage in this battle. And to engage in this battle, there is a certain way that we have to do it. Using faith that way is of the utmost importance. If we don't, then the end result is is we are going to engage in a battle without protection, without the necessary armor to stop those darts from coming in and having an effect on us. So faith is part of the affection of the heart. But it's not even just the affection of the heart, it's affection of the whole body. Because faith involves operation of the entire body. Because in order to demonstrate faith, it requires you having a mastery over your flesh to achieve what God wants you to do. That is a key important part of what faith is. And I'm going to say that again, it involves a mastery over your flesh in such a way that you are yielded to the spirit continually and the flesh is in subjection to the spirit that you can accomplish his will and advance without being affected by temptations or things that the the devil will try to get to you to get you to stop being a soldier, a Christian, to become a casualty, to become somebody that is out of the fight. And, and and as we we talk about this more it'll become you know obviously much more important, but if we're going to please him in the way that we go about fighting in this world, fighting those things of temptation, uh, going through this Christian warfare, that again, everybody is, is involved in. That we as Christians, we have to understand, hey, I, I gotta use that shield. I, I have to have faith demonstrated in such a way that I am showing that this is what I believe. This is what I'm going after. And this is what I am going to do according to my father, my, my, if you will, commander-in-chief's will. Turn over to the book of First John, First John chapter 5. First <clears throat> John chapter 5. I, I, I want us to see why Paul was mentioning above all when he came to the shield of faith. Because look at this verse in comparison and thinking about what we know about faith. And what John says here in verse five, uh, verse four, excuse me, he says, for whosoever, or excuse me, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we see that faith is, a very important part of connecting to victory. You will not have victory in your life if faith is absent. You will be defeated in every battle that you face if the faith is is not in your life. Now, we're, we're talking about, you know, again, understanding what faith is. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, right? And hearing by... The Word of God. So, in order for faith to exist, faith has to have a connection to the Bible. If the, if there's no Bible connection, then faith cannot be. You know, people talk about this "my faith" thing, and the reason I kind of do those little air quotes and, and, and if you will, demonstrate some exasperation about this is is i've had people say to me well well that's just my faith as if as if like faith is is going to be different for each person no faith isn't different faith is the same thing now i understand that we are going to go through different experiences you go through the book of Hebrews in, in, in chapter 11, and you find they had different circumstances and experiences than we had, but sometimes similar in, in form and nature. But, but the whole concept is, 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 is God told Noah, build a boat. What did Noah do? He built a boat. Well, was that the first thing he did? No. The first thing he did is he had a relationship with God. He had a relationship with God so much so that he could hear what God was telling him. And when he heard what God told him, he listened and he decided and made the choice. I am going to obey God because I have that relationship, because I love him, because he's loved me me, and he's telling me, hey, here's how you're going to get out of the destruction of the world. Build a boat, get your family on board, get some animals on board. You're going to ride it out. You know how much faith that takes when you've never seen rain? You know how much faith that takes to build a boat for those, for those many, 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 many years to accomplish that task. You know how much faith it takes to actually be inside a boat that whole time while it's bobbing up and down on water. Do you know how much faith it takes to realize that you are one of eight people left on the face of the earth? Do you know how much faith it takes to realize that now God has tasked you with actually, well, repopulating the earth? Those are pretty big asks, right? God hasn't asked you to do any of that yet, has he? (laughs) If he has, please let us know (laughs) so we can get on the ark too. But now, it, it, it is obviously a promise. There's a promise that's there. A promise in the form of a bow, a rainbow. A rainbow that I just want to mention has seven colors, not six so make sure before anybody starts talking to you about what a rainbow is, take a look at how many colors are on there. It varies between five and six. And look, you know anything about the numbers five and six, you tell me what that means. Versus the number seven. Anyways, moving on off of that point. If you want to know more about that, I can talk about it later. <clears throat> we can bring, we can bring it up at you know men's Bible study or something like that. But, but you know, here God is making it very clear that to overcome what the world is going to throw against us, to overcome temptations, to overcome the flesh, faith is going to be a necessary element of that. Without it, we just, we're not going to do it. We're just not going to have that ability. But that again—that involves, as we were talking about before, prayer. It's going to involve the word of God. It's going to involve all of those things. I'll give you an example. Go over to First Corinthians. Let's go to First Corinthians, one of our, our familiar passages. First Corinthians and um, Chapter Ten. First Corinthians, Chapter Ten. I'll tell you, this becomes one of the biggest struggles when people are, are, are going through a problem in their life. So let's just take, for example, somebody is involved in a sin, and they know it's a sin. There's convictions already there. But they've, they've developed such a way that there is a habituation of this of this sin. It's a sinful habit. They're trying to get rid of it. and They know what's wrong, and they need to. So here they are, and and somebody inevitably is going to say something uh, uh, and point them if they're doing any type of biblical counseling, to verse, to verse twelve, where it says, "Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest uh, lest he fall." In verse thirteen, there hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape they may be able to bear it now again, you know sometimes people focus on the wrong things in this, and they'll focus on well it's the temptation that's common to man, oh man, alive, you know there are some things that I just uh it gets me when people start saying stuff um, uh, i've I've had people. Uh, that, uh, um, will, will be addicted to, let's say, let's just use the one that, uh, that comes to mind that everybody always talks about in this regards. They say that it is the temptation that is common to men. Pornography. They say, and, and it's prolific. It's all over the place, okay? I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's just, it's part of society. You, you, you go stand around and you walk away. Look, walk, you know, walk around and look at the way people dress. It, it, some of it is just like, just immoral. It's horrible. And um, <clears throat> and and somebody will say, well, you know, as they're struggling with it, and they'll come to uh, you know a counselor or a pastor, and they'll say something of the nature, "Yeah, but you know, it is, everybody struggles with it? Look, pastors know." Everybody struggles with it. We've all seen the statistics. But let's also be very clear that, that right now, uh, th- th- there is a growing and it's almost getting close to the majority in, of, of users of pornography are women, not men. So let's not kid ourselves. This is, this is not a, 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 a gender issue. This goes beyond gender issues. This goes straight into it is sin. We know it is sin. The Bible says it is sin. If you look upon a woman and lust in her heart, uh, lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. It's that simple. It's that simple. Because usually that's where it starts before the other actions take place. So when we start thinking about what God's saying here, uh, somebody's going to say, well, it's a common temptation. It's a common temptation. And they will say that, but that's about all they believe about the verse. That's all they believe about the verse. You know where the hard part comes in? The hard part comes in is believing that God is faithful. You realize that that's the central theme of the verse. The central theme of the verse is God. Faithfulness to us. Has not God been faithful to you? I mean, we could spend the next, you know, rest of this day talking about each one of us, how God has been faithful to us. We can come up and hear testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of what God has done in our lives. Did you wake up this morning? Praise God. God's faithful. You're like, well, that's do not diminish anything God does for you. If you can take a breath. You need to be thankful for it. You need to be thankful for it. You need to say, you know what? What? I can breathe. Earlier, you know, last week, in the middle of the week, that wasn't my case. I was having a hard time breathing. They gave me one of those albuterol inhalers that you know, I'm supposed to take and stuff like that. I have yet to take it because I, I just, I don't like what steroids do to me. They just make me angry. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do is start huffing on something that's going to make me <laughs> turn into Mr. Krabby Pants. I'm just, you know, I'm not really wanting to do that. So I'll take some of the other stuff first and try to see. And, and you're like, well, you're not following doctor's orders. And, eh, well, okay, me and me, 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 me the medical industry have come to a conclusion that we don't, we're not aligned. But, you know, here it is, is God is faithful. He's faithful to keep your salvation, isn't he? Let's just start there. He's faithful to keep you saved. We couldn't keep ourselves saved. He can. So let's start there. Do we really believe that? If we believe that, then we need to act upon it. That's faith. Here we go through and we see a little bit further. And to to give you more of a... (coughs) demonstration of what i'm talking about here he says god is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able meaning that he is going to restrain complete and total destruction against you like he did with job you know there's a re, you know there's a lot of good christian application to job and don't give me jobs in the old testament so it's jewish Job was not a Jew. He was not of any lineage of Abraham at all. He was from a very different place that was Gentile in nature, surrounded by Gentiles. Now there's a lot of pictures in there For the nation of Israel, specifically regarding the seven days of silence versus, you know, the seven years of tribulation, all of those things. And then God restoring Job in the end, giving him twice, talking about the millennial kingdom and the reign of Christ and and putting Israel back where they belong and so on and so forth. The defeat of the devil, essentially, at the end. There's a lot that's there in that book. But I will tell you this, when, when, I, when I look at Job, I see the hand of God saying, no, you're not going to tempt him that way because I know the limits. He knew exactly. He told, he told the devil, he said, you don't get to touch Job. Touch anything else you want, but you can't touch Job. And the devil did. And then the devil comes and whines and complains and says, well, that's unfair. Let me touch him. He said, fine, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. You know, that's a relationship that Job had with God. Look at the faithfulness that, that, that the Lord it, throughout all of that. And then the faithfulness at the end was when Job was corrected by God in some of his thinking processes. And then the faithfulness was, is he was going to, uh, uh um, if you will, restore after he prayed for his friends and God restored Job. I mean, there, you want to talk about faithfulness of God? Read Job. But again, we're not even done with that. You look at verse 13 here and you can go on a little bit further <coughs> and says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now people will believe that sin and temptation is common unto man. Well, everybody's got that problem. Well, just because everybody's got that problem doesn't mean that you have to have that problem. Just because the temptation's common doesn't mean that you have to fall for the temptation like everyone else does. You have a choice. And the question is, is do we, you know, when we talk about this and we talk about the shield of faith, let's ask the question. Do we believe that Rome, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen is true? I believe it's the word of God. It's found in the word of God. I believe it's true. I do not doubt anything that God t- tells me from the word of God. Now again, I understand we struggle, young people struggle with doubt and I have struggled with doubt before. But again, God is faithful and He has always proven Himself that He is faithful and He will follow through on His promises. He has not failed me once. I, on the other hand, have failed myself many a time. And here he said, he will give us a way, if you look at that, he says, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Meaning, we don't have to choose that. So here's the temptation. The temptation comes to us. Well, let's use the one that we were just talking about, that people say is common. Okay? Okay. You have the choice to look at it or not. Well, I can't help myself. Yeah, you can. Are you two different people? Are you having an out-of-body experience? Don't turn on the computer. Block Block the Internet sites. Put on a net nanny of some type. Put on something else that's going to uh, you, you know, uh, provide transparency and accountability. You, you, you want to know why people don't like transparency and accountability? Because it's embarrassing. And this works right into why people don't ask for help. Because it's embarrassing. Let me put it this way. If you're embarrassed about something then there is an issue of pride that you have to deal with you have to deal with the pride and, and and that means you've got to put that pride down look we want to win the daily christian battles don't we i mean we we want to we we want to have victory over sin that that, that, that we deal with in our life whether it's a thought, whether it's an action, whether it's our words, whether it's what we're looking at, whether it's where we're going, what we're te- you know putting in our mouth, uh, whatever it may be, we want victory over that. And in order to get that victory, we have to understand there is a way to do it. And God said, look, when the temptation comes, I'm going to give you a way to escape it. I'm going to give you a means in which you can do. So here's your choice. Just like in the Garden of Eden, you can choose to eat it or you can choose not to eat it. You're like, this, well, well, temptation's not that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Again, let's just get this straight. Mankind muddies it up way too much. Let's let's break it down to the base core principles. Look, you're not you're not going to understand you know, physics, if you don't understand, two plus two is four. You got to start with the basics. So let's start with the basics. You have a choice. You have a choice. With every single thing, you have a choice. Rather than looking at that, when you're tempted to do that, go grab your Bible. You obviously have free time, If you're viewing that material, you have time. So, rather than view the material, what do you do? You grab your Bible. There's, I mean, there's a whole slew of things you you can do. There's a whole thing, of, uh, you know, choices that you can make to do that. And so we ask ourselves this question: Do we really believe it? Do we believe it's true? You realize that that is the principle. Of what is happening, he says above all with the shield of faith. And why does he say that? Because I want you to think about this. What did he talk about previously? Go back over there to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And look at that. Verse 14, he says, having your loins girt about with truth. In in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 14, he says, having your loins, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So what do we realize? You know, Here we are. We want to believe what this is. Here's, Here's how the shield of faith, if you will, covers more. Because if you take a look at it, we have our individual pieces of armor that he talks about. The shield of faith is much bigger than one individual piece of armor, isn't it? It covers all. It can be pivoted in any direction. Any direction, up, down, right, left, whatever, it can go all over the place. It can help cover someone else, too. So when we realize this, here he starts off with, he says, okay, look, if you really, truly are going to use faith in this, what you have to do in order to overcome the things of these of, of the world and have victory then you have to start off with the truth you have to believe that the word of god is true you have to admit that the word of god is truth john 17:17 17, 17. jesus christ said it so we have to start there which we then take a look at, and you know what happens? We realize that if we're if, if we're if we're going to do that, then that means that there's there's this this guarding of the heart that becomes necessary. And in order to guard the heart, we're going to guard the heart with the breastplate of righteousness, which is the next thing he mentions. And 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 what is that? <coughs> Pardon me. It is nothing more than realizing what God's will is for your life to do that which is right and to do it. Not to just realize it, but to do it. You guard your heart by doing what is right. You don't guard your heart when you do that which is sinful. The next thing you begin to realize is as you move further, he talks about the gospel of the preparation of of peace with our feet. You know what that means? That means we're supposed to be walking in peace. We're walking in peace. I know there are some people that have walked barefoot a lot in their life. But for those of us that have not walked barefoot outdoors in our life, Isn't that a little uncomfortable to walk barefoot across, like, say, a gravel parking lot in your bare feet? Would you say that that would be a peaceful endeavor? No. What are you usually doing? You're like, you know, you're trying to get across there as fast as possible, but that doesn't help because that just means there's more pain and it's happening more quickly. It's, that's not a, it's not a, a, a good thing. You know, back then, they probably had like leather on the bottom of their feet because of the way they were walking. But the Roman soldiers realized, you know what, in order to protect their feet, you know what they had to have? They developed a very intricate shoe system that had traction and everything. Coverage. Because you get involved in some of those fights out there and those bloody battles, it gets slippery really quickly. An animal's skin isn't that great when you're having it on the bottom and you're slipping all over the place. So they put in their special soles that had nails on the bottom of it so they could actually get a grip and stand firm in their, in their position. Not get pushed around in the mud and the blood. We realized that, that this is the piece that we're supposed to be walking, uh, walking in that this is this is if you will the the gospel of Jesus Christ which brings peace with God then we realize okay hey you know what now now i need to move on to something else i i need to make sure that my whole head is protected and 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 if i if i'm going to say this is true and i'm going to do what god tells me to do with this righteousness and i'm going to have peace with God, because this is what I'm going to be seeking to do, then I'm going to continue to keep that mindset. And I'm going to keep my mind focused on what it needs to be focused on, which is the fact that I am a saved, born again, redeemed, bought with a price, child of God, hence the helmet of salvation. You got a thought life problem? I guarantee you, you will control your thoughts if you put it in this perspective. The thought comes in. Let's just get, let's just get uh, uh, one that's common to man. <clears throat> I'm worthless. I don't even know why I'm alive. My life's a living hell. I'm a failure. Why do I even try? I'm never going to be successful. I'm not asking anybody to raise hands, but you ever have any of those thoughts? Those are common thoughts. Guarantee you, a lot of people here have had them. Guarantee you. You want to know how you put that into perspective? Shut up, head. And listen to this. God saved my soul. He bought me with a price. I am not my own. I am His. And I will do what He wants me to do. Including thinking He loves me and nothing's ever going to separate me from that love Amen. he cares more for me than he does sparrows um he knows the number of hairs on my head he thinks about me so much that he can't even count it in a moment he control he 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 takes my tears and he bottles them up he 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 collects my prayers that i pray unto him So, yeah, you want to talk about value? And look, yeah, as a sinner, I was worthless. But now I'm a child of God. As a child of God, you know what I have? I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I have a relationship with the only true God. And you know what? I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna lose that. Now, look, I understand people walk away, and I totally get that. I, I, I understand that concept. But, but what I'm getting at here is, is that that people need to understand that if you want to start controlling your thought process, put it in light of this. I'm saved. I shouldn't think that way. I'm saved. Here's what God says about me. I'm saved, well then I need to make sure I know exactly what God thinks of me. Have you ever thought about that? What does God think of you? We all know what we think of ourselves, right? And sometimes we think that's what God thinks of us. And it goes both ways. There's those that say well, I know that when God saved me, he got a real gem. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Not sure where he found that gem, but you know, there is that mentality. There are those that are lifted up in pride. They're not controlling their thought processes. And you know what? That is just as dangerous and just as much to be condemned because Christ did it with the Pharisees. So we have to enter into this thought process of, hey, I am a child of God. I'm a soldier of Christ. I am called a saint. I am precious in his sight. He shed his precious blood for me, for my sins, so that I would have forgiveness of sins, so that I would have an eternal relationship with him. Even after this flesh is gone, I will still be with my Savior. You have that type of thinking process, some of the other thoughts are not gonna be there. Why? Look, if you, all that time that I just filled there talking about how great God is, man alive. This is, this is the concept. What do we think about? If I'm thinking about that, I don't have time to think about the other stuff. This is about committing all of us to him. All of our time, all of us is committed to him. There is no time for anything else that is not related to my savior. That's the thought process. That's the thought process. And this is exactly how we were supposed to operate. So in that same vein, and now we know about this faith that we're supposed to be demonstrating, I I, want to bring into something that that is really, really, really important. I want you to go over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And I say that to establish what we're about ready to look at. What... What happens when you need help? What happens when you realize you need reinforcements? Well, let's understand this first and foremost. Um, and, And I'll answer this question in a minute. But when you are engaged in battle, in Christian warfare, Whose battle is it? I want you to think about that. Acts chapter 17, we'll get to that in a second. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says, For in him, talking about God, we live. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your poets have said, for for we are also his offspring. You know, what what Paul's talking about here is he's saying our dependency is solely upon God. You know what? That needs to really be, if you will, some sort of motto for the Christian life. For in him we live and move and have our being. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you need to think is in him, I live and in him, I move and in him, I have my being. It's it then puts the dependency upon God. God never made man to be independent. God made man to be dependent upon a relationship with him. In the Garden of Eden, Adam was not independent. Adam was dependent upon God. We are all dependent upon God because by him all things consist. At any moment in time, if God decided not to do that, all of our little atoms would go, and there would be multiple nuclear reactions because everything is splitting. So as we look at this here, we begin to realize that there's a dependency upon God. There is a saying that, 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 that has been said, and it's been said multiple different ways. There is no smaller package than a man wrapped up in himself. There is no smaller package than a man wrapped up in himself. So, so a person that is so self-concerned, so self-centered, so, if you will, prideful in their life, that they are not willing to say, God, you are my help. And the psalmist said it. You are my help. A person that is unwilling to say that is is the person that says, don't worry, God, I got this one. No, you don't. We don't. And, And as we go through this life, we realize that many times we have to call for help. You might be sinking in the middle of the sea because you took your eyes off of Christ and you were looking at the wind and the waves. Lord save me! Stick out our hand. If you haven't prayed that prayer yet, praise God. That's happened a few times in my life. I mean, it, it, it's just one of those things. But I'll also tell you this. Having help is necessary. You know, what? here's the thing that is so absolutely fantastic about God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll close with this, and I want to keep this thought process in place. Ephesians chapter 4. On Wednesday night, Mike Nemeth preached a great message on, on, on endeavoring. And, you know, it, it, it is an endeavor to keep that unity. It is an endeavor to have that bond. You've you got to try. An endeavor is not an easy task. It's something that you do that you you have to put a lot of effort into. You're going to have to put a lot of work. But here in verse 11, he says, "...and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the, the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ." You realize that your perfection is dependent on other people? So many people are so so wrapped up in self-perfection that they don't realize the connection between others. God put them there to perfect you. Now, look, I understand sometimes they're a stumbling block. I get it. But look, when we're there together and we are serving the Lord together and we are all members of the same body of Christ, then what happens? We realize we're there to help each other. We're there to help each other. Why? Because we have to get into this idea and this mindset. Whose battle is it? It's the Lord's. It's not yours. It never was yours. If you think it's your battle that you are fighting, and you're fighting it Rambo style, i.e., alone, then you have no concept of how the church works, and you have no concept of how Christ works. Christ didn't have one disciple. He had 12 and those 12 went out and had more and it just continued to propagate and multiply. If you're trying to lift a 500 pound safe, you need a couple of guys to do it. Uh, Unless you want to try to move it alone. When we get the new piano that's going to be coming in here shortly, guess what? If I, if, if, when it's delivered, and if I come in and I see one big guy, I guarantee you, he's probably Samoan. <laughs> and he probably just picks that thing up. But look, I'm not that way. I'm built that way. I need help. That's why I praise God for free moving on that thing. But I'll say this. It's not my fight. It's not my battle. When I'm going through the difficult things, you know what? It's not about me. It's the Lord's. I'm fighting for the Lord. I am a soldier of Christ, not of self. So you know what that means? That means I need a unit. I need a team member. I need fellow soldiers. I need fellow laborers to help with the task. And next week, we'll talk about this a little bit more when it comes to how we go about seeking that help, getting that help, and what that means for us as Christians when reinforcements are constantly necessary in our Christian battles. Because remember, those battles are being fought for the Lord. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Father, I thank you again for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just look at some of the things in your word. Pray, Lord, that you would just continue to reveal to us how we can live and, Lord, how we can have victory in this life. Thank you again for all that you've given to us. These things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.